You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with an occasional focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. Uh, we discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes, probably, eventually. Um, we also discuss non-Tower <laughs> King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com, follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod, and on every other level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. Um, and for uh, if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a Patreon. Uh, oh, a patron at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And if you guys will indulge me for just a moment, I do have a little brief ad read of um, something that I want to do to promote the Patreon thing because it becomes long winded when I have a lot of stuff um, that I want to talk about. So I'm just going to do this stupid bit. Um, no. For it. Yes. Not you. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Okay. Patreon ad read here. <clears throat> Are you in the market for more content from the Obsessive Viewer and our related podcasts, Anthology, and Tower Junkies? You're in luck. Due to a government stimulus check and an overbearing fear of the outside world thanks to a global pandemic, Obsessive Viewer Podcasts is overstocked with Patreon content. Come on down to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and take advantage of our deals on hundreds of extra content. We've got over 130 B-roll episodes at only $1 per month, TV reviews at $2 per month, full-length movie commentary tracks at $5 per month, and early access to full episodes plus unreleased and exclusive content at $10 per month. At these prices, we're practically giving this stuff away. So just head on down to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer to sign up. Again, that website is patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Sign up today and tell them pizza sent you. Can I make a okay. suggestion? Uh, please do. <laughs> I don't think you need to pump the brakes on that at all. I don't think you need... I, that was awesome. <laughs> nice. Like Thank your you. your little the little like please forgive me as I do this. <laughs> I think you should have like you don't need that next time you do that bit because that's <laughs> really you. hilarious. And if you read it straight, it will be. It will slay. Nice. <laughs> That's well, hilarious. You. That's very good, Matt. That's thank really good. hilarious. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, check out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And, uh, yeah, I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt. And with me today, as usual, is Tiny. And uh, we have a guest today, uh, Mike White of Obsessive Viewer fame. As good as it gets, band fame. And, yes. uh And a bunch of other fame. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah. Yeah. How are you yeah, guys not doing? A, not Mike a co-host. I am. A, I, I am a guest yes. on your show. Does this feel weird? It does. I think we talked about this last time I was here. Yes. I, I. I think my. Um. You know, my expertise isn't as honed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in respect to just specifically Stephen King, especially because I'm. I would imagine there are listeners who come from the Stephen King fandom mm-hmm. uh, who who stumble upon this podcast or listen to this podcast regularly mm-hmm. who don't know me from Obsessive Viewer, like they're right. more just into Stephen King. Uh, so I definitely feel like I, um, you know, Stephen King isn't my area of expertise. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming on as the, as the lay, I'm, I'm a casual, I'm a Stephen mm-hmm. King casual. Um, <laughs> a filthy casual. I'm, 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. um I, I ask you for your for your patience and forgiveness. Uh well yeah, well we're glad to have you back on the episode or on the podcast. And um uh, it's yeah. um it's funny. I, this is a this is a Matt Hurt random thought right oh, now. God. But uh <laughs> so Matt is very he will when he's talking about I don't know how to qualify this, but he will often say like, oh, so I was talking to so-and-so of this and this. And so what he just did is, oh, we're we're talking to Mike White uh, of Obsessive Viewer fame. Well, <laughs> way, way before I ever met you, Mike, um, Matt and I started working together. This was like 2008 or seven. Yeah. And he would talk about you and I had never met you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. He would... <laughs> all the time say because he had sent me your music and I had listened to your music he would also often say when he started talking about you or telling me a story about you he would say so I was talking to Mike White of thank you Jaden gentlemen scholars <laughs> of your <laughs> so over the years without fail every single time oh, like, like, awesome. like I forgot who you were yeah <laughs> and, like because most people would say uh, Mike White my college roommate right yeah my but, friend yeah my friend right. Mike my friend Mike, reference right. all the time <laughs> but I did that's how I to this day when he just said that a few minutes ago I, he was like Mike White of and I was thinking thank you Jaden gentlemen and scholars <laughs> even though so I eventually did shorten it to just Mike White of TYJ of TYJ uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, so but, were you was that like a bit where it was that like a like an in joke that you would do or do you try no. to find a way to like I, it was just a reflex, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think part of it was due to like being a bit like just okay. I know that it's kind of silly to to like explain who a person is in conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but over the years, yeah. it's evolved. Your yeah. of has evolved, right? Because yeah. he shortened right. it to multi, TYJ, multi hyphen of Boonville High School. Yes, of Boonville High School. <laughs> you so. know, uh, Oscar and Howie's dad. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I just that just maybe I, I don't oh, think yeah. I've ever shared that on the podcast. I before. don't think so that's, either. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so yeah, so Mike, welcome to welcome back to the show. You were on a few years ago for our eleven twenty two sixty three novel and miniseries review, mm-hmm. um, which I was delighted to have you on for that one because that is is it still considered in your brain as your favorite novel? Yeah, I okay. think so. I don't know that I've read anything since that's mm-hmm. challenged it. Nice. Um, nice. Also, it's, I don't know, I, I can't as quickly, like, re-rank my favorite books as yeah. kind of easily as I can do my favorite album or my favorite movie or whatever, because you can't you can't really do a bunch in a sitting or a yeah. week or a month or whatever. You really have to dedicate. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it moved me, like, uh, you know, no other books have for sure. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, and so yeah. So if you want to give a give give a, I'm I'm going to give you a platform to um, tell us about uh, as good as it gets and everything. This episode is airing June 11th. So if you want right. to talk uh, about what you've got going on, yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so June 11th, which means there's one more week to uh, back my Kickstarter campaign. So like Matt said, if you're not familiar with me, uh, I'm in a band calls called As Good As It Gets. Uh, we do, like, we're a cross between late 90s radio rock meets early 2000s pop punk, like Green Day or Blink-182. And uh, we released a an album on Kickstarter 
uh, the Kickstarter is to fund a physical CD copy of that album. We kind of wanted to harken back to those early days of printing uh, CDs and listening to music on CDs. So they're songs that we wrote in our old band when we were teenagers, and we re-recorded them in the last year or two, uh, and we're releasing them. As of today, it is actually already funded, so it is going nice. to happen. But if you would like to help us uh, continue to grow and back the project and receive it, uh, there are multiple options you can... If you just want to support, there's the digital option, or you can get the base CD for ten dollars, uh, or there's for twenty dollars you get the deluxe version of the CD. And I would appreciate it a lot. Kickstarter.com/slash as good as it gets. You go to as good as it gets music.com. Uh, search for me and Twitter. Uh, but the album is called "The Spirit of the Staircase." And if you like pop punk music from the early two thousands, can I? Can I? Can I promise? I think I can promise <laughs> you'll like this. I I so. would say that yes, you can promise that. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly that. If you mm-hmm. liked Drive Through Records, Green Day, Blink 182 in the in the early 2000s, you you will like this music. So, it's on Kickstarter. Thank you so much for letting me talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one one more week to to back. As of as of the release of this episode, it ends on June 18th. So, um, seek it out. Sweet. Yeah. And I'm, uh, just to, to on record, I am a backer of this project. Me too. Yes. yes. Yeah. Tiny is as well. Thank you guys so much. Totes. Um, question. Do you guys still own an actual CD player? Not like a PlayStation or like a laptop that'll play it, but like a CD player. I don't. I don't. I don't either. No. Oh man. That's sad. It's kind of sad, isn't it? A little bit. It is. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah, no. Thinking back to the big boombox days, or the, yeah. di- the disc mans were such a big deal. Anyway. I was thinking about the. Uh, I think there's a boombox in our house somewhere. Okay. Come yeah. to think of it, okay. you know, like a, you know, a top loading CD. But right. I don't, I, I, I don't have a disc man or anything mm. like that. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I have nothing. <laughs> yeah, I think the, I think Mike in your uh, Kickstarter video intro video thing, <laughs> did you, I think you referenced like getting get out your your disc man and get ready mm-hmm. for it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I know good. that's a bit disingenuous considering I don't have one. <laughs> I mean, I'm. Fu- I, I, <laughs> that's the reason not, why we brought you here is we are. Yeah, the, it's a gotcha podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was not my intention. No. That question. <laughs> uh huh. No, I don't like. I don't think that we're being cheeky on the mm. Kickstarter. Like we're not. I, I. I. I mean, it's pretty genuine. We're mm. not. There's no wink involved or anything. Yeah. But, um, we're definitely trying to evoke uh, an era. I mean, the songs yeah. were written between 2002 and like 2008-ish mm-hmm. is kind of where how those songs were written. So we wanted to kind of evoke that feeling. And I know, I mean, nobody's going to like carry this around in their car on CD. Like nobody's... <laughs> Nobody's going to do the Discman thing. It's going to be a collector's thing. You'll read it once. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're really, what it is, and I'm fully aware of this, is is an investment in, in the mm-hmm. band and in the music. So yeah. I'm super appreciative to oh, all yeah. the people who have invested. Mm-hmm. We had a, uh, there was an option to um, a song shop where yes. uh, Dustin and I would write a song with you specifically tailored to you. And it is, it's sold out. Nice. Um, nice. That that's option awesome. Is gone. And Matt is one of those. 
Yes. One of those backers. And, That's uh, awesome. By the way, Tiny, I am going to use this as a way to uh, for us to hopefully, if if Mike and Dustin are into it, uh, create a new opening theme music for Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Sweet. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Of course. Yeah. And I started making some notes and everything, but I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to be... I'm not going to awesome. be... Yeah. That's perfect. I, on record or not off record, if, if I'm still editing this part out, but... Um, sure. I've got to say, first of all, a few th- a few things. Um, so prepare for accolades. Um, one, uh, the reason <laughs> why I... I I I I don't know if you noticed this or if you got the email at this at the time that I did it, but I backed it as soon as I got the email saying that it launched, because I mm-hmm. knew that 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 tier had a finite amount of of backing numbers and everything, and I wanted to make sure that I got it because I was very confident that you guys were going to be it was going to be a success in anyway. Uh, well. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yes. And also, uh, on that note, uh, I am super proud of you and super happy for you. And uh, never once doubted that you guys would <laughs> uh, would not just fucking meet the goal by the end of the yeah. day. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, that feels wonderful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, those are super kind things. It's awesome. It's – I'm – I mean, you know me and you know how we are. I was racked with anxiety about it. Really, it was on my mind for a year uh, to varying degrees of like excitement and high mm-hmm. stress. Um, and like two days before, I'm texting Dustin. I'm like, hey, we can cancel this thing if you want. Nobody would know. Wow. <laughs> and just nervous. And, you know, I didn't like... I was under no like crazy illusion that it was going to be, you know, we were going to sell a hundred copies and like people were going to come out of the wood. I'm not crazy. I knew that if it was going to be funded, it would be mostly like generous uh, friends and family. And then, you know, a few fans of the music Mm -hmm. there. Um, but the res- the the immediacy of the response and like the fact that it was funded in like 20 hours and that the first to go was the song shop i <laughs> i mean it blew i i like all and the all the emotion that nice night. i mean it was so awesome that's I, awesome. I, I mean, I, you said that you would so and then you did immediately so mm. i felt that like immediate ping of like feeling grateful and excited and then like someone i didn't know bought one i was like oh that's awesome nice. and another person and then uh, you know friends and this person that, and like they were gone immediately that's like awesome. part of me the 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 greedy part of me like wants to add <laughs> two more just right. to see if we can but i but i you know that's two more songs we have to write we're mm. also we're also working on our next like new release of original music. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't want to make like too much work for myself, but yeah, I definitely saw dollar signs and nice. Started, started dreaming. <laughs> That's super awesome. Nothing wrong with dreams, man. Gotta no. have them. Oh no. Um, I know. Yeah. And yeah, but uh, my, uh, the, the idea that I have for, in terms of the, the theme music and everything is that I would, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I know that the Kickstarter said like, Oh, delivery date is like October, but uh, I don't know what the time frame is, but like I was thinking, yeah. like, it could we could we could introduce it with the year in review episode. 
Um, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure. Nice. That's awesome. Sweet. I mean, it'll be done by then for sure. Mm. We'll we'll want to have these done by. We'll wait until I October. give you all of my revisions and my notes and everything, <laughs> because you don't know stress until you have worked with someone who doesn't know the thing that they're t- that they're that they're pitching yeah. and everything. <laughs> uh, I'm vaguely aware. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm acutely aware. But yeah, nice. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, you can cut all of this by the way i kind of i kind of tried to like make my pitch short because i know on ov it was really long so feel free to cut any of this that you don't want okay yeah uh, well i'll figure it out um yeah i definitely wanted to talk about this so nice thank you yeah Yeah. man it's up to 747 now god that's so Uh, awesome and they say like the first 48 hours and the last 48 hours are the big ones Mm -hmm. and we were funded in 20 hours God, that's awesome. Um, and I'm still like, I'm going to buy one more ad <clears throat> on my personal Facebook, mm. which I think funny enough has more eyes than the as good as it gets one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what that does. I just posted something <clears throat> today on the thank you, Jade. We're going to do a live stream. I'm going to send out more emails. Nice. This, this more stuff coming. We'll cool. see, man. Sweet. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm going to take a picture. All right, shall we talk about this damn book? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We have kept Tiny waiting. Yes. For so long. (laughs) All right, so today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about On Writing a a Memoir of the Craft, uh, released in 2000 from Scribner. It's Stephen King's... uh, Memoir of the Craft of Writing. <laughs> um, <laughs> according to StephenKing.com, On Writing is both a textbook for writers and a memoir of Stephen's life and will thus appeal even to those who are not aspiring writers. If you've always wondered what led Steve to become a writer and how he came to be a success, the success he is today, this will answer those questions. And uh, yeah, we all listened to this on Audible, which is, I don't know if you guys listened to it, but it includes... Um, Owen King talking about recording audiobooks for his father as a kid, and then also a um, a live kind of Q and A thing with uh, Stephen King and Joe Hill uh, when sleep was it sleeping? No, when the Institute was coming out. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, so those are at the end of the audiobook. But before we get into all of that, we have some business to attend to. Um, first, I want to just point out that as I've been trying to do with each episode that we uh, release or record, um, let's enter the podcast content corner. Um, which I I did not prompt Mike for, so I don't know what he is uh, feeling right now. But anyway, uh, Podcast Content Corner is where I highlight a specific Stephen King podcast each episode uh, just to kind of share the love and to show uh, appreciation for other other people on the on the uh, path of the beam such as the one that we are in being a Stephen King podcast I started as a tower drink uh, dark tower podcast and then we don't talk about the dark tower <laughs> so uh this week on the podcast podcast content corner is Chat Cemetery, a Stephen King podcast. Join host Deanna Chapman as she navigates the eerie world of Stephen King with a wide panel of guests. Um, she's going chronologically through Stephen King's uh, work and adaptations, and it's just, it's a treat. It's a really good podcast. Check it out, Chat Cemetery. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes and everything. On that, I listened yes. to um, 
an episode of the Year of Underrated Stephen King. Ah, yes. With uh, Kim C. Mm-hmm. And you were right. She is incredibly gifted. Yes. She's really, really thorough, and mm-hmm. her analysis is just next level. She's really good. What episode did you listen to? Uh, the uh, Doctor Sleep one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, I was I was very excited because she just released her episode on the drawing of the three, mm-hmm. and like when she released her episode on the gunslinger i cuz her like she has not read any dark tower books mm. so she is going in blind and um when she released the the gunslinger one it was like oh this is like a two and a half hour episode and i'm like oh fuck yes this is awesome i'm going to like dig into this and then when i saw the uh, drawing of the three one it was like two hours and i'm like oh fuck yeah nice um so yeah so that's a great podcast and uh yeah check that out too cool yeah uh mike have you listened to any stephen king podcasts aside from tower junkies which i know that you are an avid listener to. <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, I haven't. Mm. Uh, all respect to them. I, I, I'm sure they're great. Um, I, I I try to pare back my... Uh, here, I'll give the cheesy answer. I don't mm. listen to a whole lot of podcasts because I'm listening to Stephen King audiobooks. Nice. nice. Sweet. Nice. <laughs> I was going to call you out on that because one of my next segments was, where are you at with Stephen King? Like, have, what have you read since 112263? <laughs> Jeez Louise, <laughs> I'm man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, okay yeah uh but yeah what have you read since <laughs> like, are you posing the question is I, that the question yeah, sure while i bring up the news and everything yeah, yeah. uh what have you read since because um, you were on eleven twenty two sixty three a few years ago and uh yeah what have you read since yeah. then yeah yeah so in the last couple of years i've read the bizarre uh of bad dreams mm-hmm. uh which i found to be with really any short story collection hit or miss um, nothing that really stuck with me. And if I'm being completely honest with you, like as I sit here, nothing, nothing comes to mind as standout. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, you know, as we know, Stephen King is not, uh, I don't want to say plot isn't his strength. He's a plot master, but um character obviously is what he's about and so mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like the short story format is really what he excels at so mm. I, I, I just found them what's that i've just thought that that was interesting huh yeah um but the the other one i read was mr mercedes mm-hmm. which was interesting uh, i know that's kind of like his curveball more detective novel Mm-hmm. than horror it's not horror at all it's a detective novel right. um and i'm not a big like detective novel reader uh nothing against it i just don't really seek them out um i kind of expected or hoped it would be a little scarier like if mm-hmm. i do read anything detective um the whisper man the chalk man uh basically anything that ends in man i guess uh our other novels um those are detective but those are horror um and Mm -hmm. so i kind of thought hey cool stephen king detective novel it's gonna be terrifying and it's not uh but it's good it's tight it's a good thriller Uh, i have not read the other two Mm -hmm. uh in that series Mm, but but they're on the list nice and then other than that nothing else Cool. Sweet. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, hang on. I record our on writing. I'm tweeting a picture of Tiny and Pizza. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, okay. Uh, 
Stephen King check-ins. I'll do that now. Um, so, okay, Stephen King check-ins. We do, Mike, what we do is we do uh, Stephen King check-ins and Stephen King news. Um, and so I, let's start with news because I really only have one that I'm actually excited to talk about. Um, uh, well, actually, <laughs> uh, just really briefly. Uh, no, we don't have to do that one. Okay, so Stephen King news all over the place. Uh, Blumhouse Productions is uh, remaking uh, Firestarter, uh, based on the novel by Stephen King, uh, mm-hmm. with um, Zach Efron in uh, the role as the father. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, and Michael Gray Eyes is going to be in it. Interesting. Um, he is in the show... Um, uh, oh, God. Uh, Rutherford Falls on Peacock. Um, he did a really good job on that. So, anyway... Um, it is uh, being adapted by Scott Teams, uh, who worked on Hall- Halloween Kills and Rectify, um, and it just started uh, production, I think, today. Um, how are you guys feeling about Firestarter? Have you guys have either of you read Firestarter or have any uh, affiliation with it? No. Have you guys started any fires? <laughs> <laughs> not a big, not a big pyro. Mm. No, no, I haven't <laughs> read it. Uh, I I do follow Zac Efron, so mm-hmm. I see that they are starting. Uh, they're doing. He did like um, the production monitor, like a, a picture mm-hmm. or an Instagram story of the director's monitor yeah. uh, showing a big fire stunt. Mm-hmm. Looked really looks cool. interesting. Yeah, nice. I'm I excited for it. I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read it. I think a couple of years ago and then, I mean, it was, it was pretty good. It was solid. Um, uh, for the stranger things fans out there, uh, very, very heavily influenced from Firestarter. Mm. Um, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. As is, I mean, it's, it's funny. The further away, I, I really like, um, stranger things, but (laughs) the more I entrench myself in Stephen King, the more I'm just really, really just, picking apart the unabashed like um uh influence of Stephen King on Stranger Things so much so that it's it's basically a Stephen King show. <laughs> right. Um, oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um so yeah, so that's really the only news I have. Um we do also do check-ins. Uh Mike, do you have any Stephen King check-ins um for for the show? Not really. Um, I do follow him on Twitter, uh, and we were kind of talking about this, um, like, before the show. I read a lot of non-Stephen King horror, uh, and so one of my favorite little back-and-forths is Paul Tremblay, Mm -hmm. who is just kind of, uh, was kind of like this mildly very mildly popular writer uh, for a while. And then Stephen King like recommended his head full of ghosts and that kind of put Paul Tremblay on the map. So I follow both of them on Twitter and kind of watching them go back and forth and like recommend books to each other and get excited about certain things or explain certain things is, is really fun uh, for me. I'm trying to think of, Something I'm looking forward to specifically that he has recommended. Well, while you're doing that, Stephen King does in August have a book coming out called Billy Summers. Is that on your radar at all? Have you heard anything about it? 
Only only loosely that okay. that anything he puts out will be mm-hmm. uh, you know on a list. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um it's interesting because I feel like from what I know about Billy Summers is that it is about a hitman. Like I I, I would be very curious to have you on to re- review it. <laughs> okay. Because it's it sounds from the from the sound of it, it sounds like an unconventional Stephen King book, kind of akin to Mr. Mercedes being a detective story. This story is about a hitman who only takes out contracts on bad people. Um, and knowing your okay. interests, um, uh, yeah. like how you like to go out and murder bad people. Um, right. <laughs> right. Also, your uh, appreciation of the show Dexter. I'd be very right. curious to to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I had not heard about that. That nice. uh, that looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm also. I've. I've let go of. You will not hear me defend Dexter as vehemently <laughs> as Matt defends Lost. Uh, yeah. or... <laughs> well, we, that's that's a bit of an in joke. Tiny and right. I were kind of teasing Matt uh, before we hit. <laughs> record <laughs> uh, maybe on the patreon exclusive exclusive actually if you listen to that yeah maybe uh we give matt a hard time about his love for the things he loves yeah but i mean the difference there is that lost is actually good um anyway uh, so <laughs> how many emmys did lost win i don't know i feel like i i don't know um in my heart it won all of them so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, very brief tangent. Are you going to watch the Dexter revival? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited okay. because uh, Clyde Clyde Phillips, I think that's mm. his name. Anyway, the original showrunner from the first mm. four seasons before it uh, kind of went off the rails uh, is back. Nice. Uh, lost won four Emmys. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Michael Emerson in 2009. Best Supporting Actor, uh, Terry O'Quinn in 2007. Outstanding Drama Series, 2005. And, uh, it won Outstanding Drama. Wow. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, Directing for a Drama Series, uh, 2005. It was also nominated for 4, 8, 12, uh, 16, um, 20. Okay, well, Dexter won one. So to answer your question, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, not that awards are uh, uh, mean anything mean at all. Mean anything, except for in this yeah. case, they mean everything. <laughs> so <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> just let the record show that any rivalry between Dexter and Lost is in Matt's head. Yeah, it's completely, right <laughs> it's it's completely superfluous. Um. Okay, so we should probably get into actually talking about Stephen King. Though. Yeah, how about on writing. <laughs> yeah, so on writing, um, like I said, it was published in 2000 from Scribner. And this book is for me, and we'll go around and, and get everyone's read on where they are at in terms of their history with the book, if they have any. But for me, this was one of those, I, I want to say, I can't say for certain, but I really think that this might have been the first Stephen King book I ever read. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was either before or after I read oh, The Shining. So many questions. I know. Well, here is... So this is the reason why. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer like no other. 
I was obsessed with with writing stories and uh, and and reading Goosebumps in particular. And then I graduated to Stephen King, um, and then. Uh, I was just very obsessed with it, with that. Like I really wanted to be a writer and so now I'm a podcaster. So that's fine. Um, sure. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, and so I had, it, I also had this quirk, um, infuriating quality to myself that, um, I would collect things instead of consuming them or I would collect them with the intention of consuming them, um, and then ultimately just dilly dally and not do it. So I would like collect books, movies and everything. I would have movies on mm-hmm. my shelf for over like a decade that I'd never watched and probably would never, ever watch um, just because. Um, and so I would collect Stephen King books. I was really just a, like I would go to the bookstore and just like browse Stephen King books and like like buy a paperback or something. So I had on writing and I read it. And uh, I I loved it the first time I read it, and I haven't read it since. So it's been a couple of decades. Um, so wow. it was around the time, probably around the time it came out. So do you guys have a history with on writing? I have no um, no history at all. Go with ahead, it. Tiny. Yeah, I I knew it existed, and that's about it. I I just I guess I had no when it came out, and up until I'd say within the past handful of years, I didn't really have a desire to learn the lessons of this book i guess i i've the i have a history with writing uh that's the opposite of matt i don't have i've never had any any desire to be a writer Mm. um that's never i I just i thought it always seemed way too tedious and um just never it never was anything that interested me so i I think for that reason i just never really read this and never gravitated towards it so yeah i i don't really have a history with it (laughs) You you never wanted to be a writer because it was too tedious, so instead you just became a podcaster with me, <laughs> which is not tedious at all. Uh, Mike, your history. <laughs> yeah, man, I got to say, I find that fascinating that mm-hmm. that was one of the first, if not the first you ever read. Yeah. I, I, It's interesting to me, I guess, that like your interest in writing how do I put this? Cause of course this is true. Like your interest in writing precedes your interest in Stephen King timeline wise. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. of course we all, well, not all of us, but writers write when they're kids. That makes mm-hmm. sense. But like the fact that you then were aware of Stephen King and your instinct was not to like read the shining or pet cemetery or carry or whatever. Right. But you you went to like, what can I read that's that has to do with my first interest? That's mm-hmm. that's su- there's something there that's super interesting to me. Yeah. I I yeah, I don't know. Um I think that it was like just... how, like at wh- why would you have even cared about Stephen King's opinion at that point if you hadn't read that's a really good question, and I'm misery. Moving, I'm moving my arm to to kind of point to. That's a very good question, um, <laughs> so you can see it. But anyway, um, yeah, that's that's a good question. And I think it's because at the time, and I thankfully still now, he is still incredibly ubiquitous in pop culture. And even at the time, like I I hadn't read any of his stuff, but I had seen The Shining, and I had seen. Um, 
a couple other Stephen King properties, I'm sure, uh, it the miniseries and everything. So like I okay. had at least an understanding of what he does, like uh, in terms of the, the adaptations and everything. Um, I am just a notorious procrastinator and uh, just hadn't read any of his books at the time. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, I was definitely very much aware. And like, I knew that, oh, Stephen King is an institution. He is a, he's Stephen King. Like he's an icon. He's, he's an icon. Been he's, an icon for right. decades. Yeah. yeah. Like his right. opinion obviously is something that I would, I would want to seek out and, and, uh, and take to heart and, uh, yeah. And now I don't write or anything, but um, <laughs> I write reviews on the website sometimes, but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't write fiction. Um, yeah. So, um, I had, I don't have a, a, a history to use your words with mm-hmm. on writing. Um, I have a bit of a history with Stephen King, but this was only, I mean, I love, I read a lot of biographies. I also like um, books about the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, I read kind of a lot of those. I mean, I, I, I joke sometimes that like my, my, favorite genre is like Saturday night live nonfiction. <laughs> That's like my favorite genre of book is like anything where they talk about like the craft of SNL or really the craft of comedy or anything like that. So um, like I haven't read any like how to write books. Like I wouldn't just read uh, a book on the craft by a nobody. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely interested in like uh, um, an established names perspective on the thing. So like, you know, when I started to get into Stephen King not that long ago, um, and and really kind of like keep track of my book reading um, lists and stuff. I think it was around the time when I got Audible and I realized mm-hmm. that he had a. a not just a memoir, but a book on the craft of writing. The, and then it was kind of one and the same. I added it to my list. So I, nice. very recent awareness mm-hmm. of this book. Nice. Um, yeah. And uh, since you're so interested in that, I am currently working on, on podcasting, a memoir of the craft. So I <laughs> uh, expect that in uh, early 2022. Yeah. Um. I really want to read uh, Feruza Balk's uh, biography, uh, The Craft, A Memoir of the Craft. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh. Forward by Nev Campbell. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, that's so weird. I was just thinking of Feruza Bulk today, uh, or like a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, that's it's interesting. It's not every day, but when it happens, yeah, <laughs> it's a deep well. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so yeah, so we've all read the book, and uh, just kind of, what did you guys expect going into it and how did you guys feel about, uh, his approach to it? It's a very, it's a very short book and it has, I don't want to say it's too anecdotal, but I kind of felt like my memory of it. I mean, I hadn't read it in probably almost 20 years. So like my memory of it and what I was excited about rediscovering with it was, uh, all of the, like, I was hoping that it would be more, have more anecdotes about his like specific writing of like, I, I had vaguely remembered there being stuff about the stand and the dark tower that at the time obviously went over my head, but 
what I've kind of found interesting was that this was a very brisk, very short book that like those, those points weren't as, as, um, pronounced in it as, uh, as my memory was. So anyway, how did you guys feel about it and the structure of it and everything? Um, I didn't know what to expect going in. I, I was curious how much biography there was going to be in there. And I think there was an appropriate amount, um, cause it didn't weigh down the whole, the whole book, the whole read. Um, and I appreciated that stuff cause I didn't know a lot of it. Um, I found of the biographical stuff, I found his relationship to education and his professional life to be the most interesting because he doesn't have a college degree or he has like an honorary one basically. So he's not he's one of the most successful writers of all time and has limited education. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fact that he spent years um, as like a blue collar professional, like, you know, he did laundry for years as a, mm. professionally. That's what he did for money for years. And I, I think that that experience comes through in his writing a lot. Uh, he, a lot, a lot of his characters will be blue collar, uh, charmingly blue collar and authentically blue collar. And I think that's right. What you know, right. And he, he, he knows that life. So that's, that was interesting to read about. But, um, I was curious if he was going to get into a lot of the nuts and bolts stuff. Uh, I did, he, he has a few parts of it where he talks about like, Oh, this is why I don't like adverbs. And you mm-hmm. know, this is how you should structure sentences and stuff like that. And I, I, I'm not overly interested in that stuff because I'm not a writer and I, I don't think I could ever be one. And it's not, it's just not, that's not in my wheelhouse. And so I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't interested in it. It's just that I feel like that's not for me. And so I, I wasn't overly interested in it, but what I loved, my favorite parts are when he's telling the anecdotes of how he came to his stories and how mm. he crafted his stories. I think one of the most interesting is Carrie, where he talked about how he almost threw it in the trash. He did throw it in the trash <laughs> and his wife Tabitha picked it up and read it and mm. was like, this is good. You need to keep going with this. And he was, he was uh, hitting a wall because he doesn't know what it's like to be a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And so his wife helped him. She was like, well, I'll help you with that dumbass." <laughs> and <laughs> thankfully that got, that got us the book Carrie, which ironically I've never read, but I feel like I've read it before because of, stories and i've seen the remake movie i've never seen the original movie either um so anyways um those anecdotes and those little notes about how he found the story and how he found characters and how he got ideas that's the real gritty fun meaty stuff that i was interested in and uh there's plenty of nuggets of that in the story and that's the stuff that i really loved Nice. Yeah, I yeah. really like those those uh, those portions of it too. Uh, Mike, how'd you how'd you find on writing? Yeah, Tiny, I agree with you that that stuff I think was the most interesting, and I actually expected there to be more of it. Uh, I don't know if you guys got the sense, or maybe it's obvious. I don't know, but like the the book is really divided in half. Mm-hmm. There's well, uh, I'll say it's divided into three parts. The first part is biographical. The middle part is is uh, um, a book about the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. And then the last short portion is like where he is now mm-hmm. coming up with this book and the, the accident that he was in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I don't know if I 
hoped for or or what I hoped for, but I expected more of a blend of like this happened in my life, and then that's how I came upon yeah. this story, got the idea for this story, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, the what he was going through as he conceived a lot of stories. I think that there's a a parenthetical or or a, a subtext. Um, that he that he touches on briefly that like a lot of his most successful stuff like he doesn't remember well because he was just on coke the whole time (laughs) you know he doesn't spend a lot of time talking about that but from what i know about him i mean like that was most of the 80s yeah which was which unfortunately was like the height of his fame yeah or or at least the height of his his reach Mm mm-hmm in popular culture um so far but yeah so far <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i guess the height geez louise was was 2017 or whatever yeah with, with the remake and then mm. uh, mike flanagan or yeah. not the, the it remake right <clears throat> the it modern adaptation right all Excuse of me. that being kind of uh, uh, propagated and everything by the Dark Tower movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See the Patreon right. uh, episode we recorded <laughs> to understand how sarcastic he's being. Um. So I mean, I liked it all. I I I find the biographical stuff super fascinating, and I really enjoyed that quite a bit. Um. I also. Uh, in contrast to Tiny, I love the stuff about adverbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you guys. Did you guys all listen to the audiobook? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So did I. I found a lot of the instances where he would like read a paragraph to talk about like the the feel and flow of a paragraph. Um, that was a little hard to follow. You couldn't get that without looking at it with your yeah, eyes. Right. Where he would like literally have to say, and here there's a paragraph break Mm -hmm. where you would just see it if you were reading it um so i missed out on some of that but i do love the 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 nitty-gritty and the nitpicks and the Mm -hmm. um the stuff about craft that he mentions i just i i I expected more of a blend yeah there's this humble nature to him um one of the reasons why i think that he resonates in in our culture and for me personally is like his story like his the the story of Stephen King and the things that he does, his strengths as a writer and the things that he hones in on as a writer speak to me on such a deep level because he's a man who he, I mean, he, uh, I mean, he grew up very much kind of below the poverty line. He grew up in like the uh, talking about, uh, his first, uh, when he got, uh, Carrie published, I mean, that catapulted him, um, because like that, like the advance he got from that chain was life changing for him mm-hmm. and his family. Yeah. And just like, I think that that kind of history for him is something that really is communicated well in his writing in terms of characterization. Cause he's not, not to say that like, oh, if he came from money or, or if he didn't want for things or anything, he wouldn't be able to write convincing characters or anything but he has such a penchant for um for writing characters 
of a certain type that are just like ordinary everyday Americans who are who struggle and everything the same way that he does. But he doesn't make that like the focal point of the narrative. It's just a thing that is uh, is the the characters. I don't know traits yeah. and everything. I don't know. It's just something I've always admired about him, and I love the context of it, given um, his history in the biography section. Even as as admittedly as kind of brief and not as as in depth as I would have liked it to be, as it was, um, it still was. It still provided a lot of interesting context for the writing that I love so much and I have loved for decades. Two decades. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any any particular bit that stuck out as as poignant or evocative, well, particularly for you? Definitely in terms of the way that he writes about, about how just writing, uh, like him writing and selling his writing to put food on the table is something that just really just struck a nerve with me and made me really appreciate his, his work even on a deeper level. And uh-huh. also, uh, uh, just him him talking about writing as a kid and the the positive feedback he got from like his mother, um, uh, when he wrote like his first story and stuff. Yeah, man, he really has, um, his support net is really strong. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to throw my parents under the bus. <laughs> I had a, a extremely privileged life. Um, we, I mean, we were not wealthy, but like I, I we always had food. We always mm-hmm. had clothes. Yeah. Um, but my mom was not a, and neither was my dad. Uh, uh, um, my parents were not like they they didn't buy into creativity. Ah. Right. They Mm. were, I mean, my dad's a mess. I've mentioned that on podcasts before. Mm. Um, My mom is a very like business minded, um, you know, she is a boomer, if not just a little bit younger than a boomer. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's, she's progressive politically, but in terms of like that old school, like work hard, work ethic value, she definitely comes from that. Um, and so, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of like support as a, as a creative kid, like for writing, um, it was, she was always like, just make sure you have a backup plan. Mm. Whereas I feel like, you know, Stephen King's parents and his wife are like, yeah, do this mm-hmm. because why yeah. not? And I never, I didn't really get that from my parents i I just i think um i don't know why i'm going on a rant about my parents in this episode (laughs) but i i just like i think we have his parents and his wife to thank that that we have stephen king does that make sense oh totally and it's his mother because something i found really interesting is that his father left when he was a kid um yeah well right yeah. yeah his mother but yeah, that and, and it's funny because like I'll 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 drop some truth bombs too. <laughs> uh, growing up, we I mean I we were we were kind of constantly and consistently scraping by, um, and uh, and like 
in terms of my creativity, like I wanted to be a writer, like I, I have memories of, um, <laughs> uh, uh, like I've talked about this on podcasts before, but I wrote to Saban Entertainment because I was a huge fan of Power Rangers and was like, why don't you make a show that's like this? And I outlined like an idea for a TV show. It was basically <laughs> Power Rangers, but set in Ohio where I lived. Um, <laughs> and I have memories of like having a, having a dream, like taking a nap in the day, having a dream where I was, uh, running around with a friend in the playground and building of my school. And then I immediately like woke up and wrote like this little short story about, uh, like, uh, uh, a school that's taking kids and, and like doing experiments on them and stuff. And, uh, like I, I have memories of these. I also like to credit that I, uh, had a story that was titled Armageddon before the movie came out <laughs> because nice. I, because I had just learned the movie Armageddon or I, I just learned the, t- the word Armageddon and I was like, Oh yeah, right. this is a good, this is a good word. I'm going to, I'm going to write a story around it. And I don't <laughs> think I ever did. Um, but yeah, and I came up with a good mnemonic device for remembering how to spell it. Uh, it's uh, spelled out as arm aged Don. Um, anyway, so, so I have these memories of like these creative, like writing exercises that I did and these like little writing things that I did. I uh, have talked about this before also, but I wrote a short story for the Goosebumps um uh, some contest they had for the Goosebumps series 2000 that I actually won like second or third place. I think it was like technically third place, but I think it was like a grand prize, first prize and second prize. So I think I got second prize. Gotcha. So like I got a, uh, a signed copy of R.L. Stein's autobiography and like, hmm. yeah, um, it's lost to time now, but <laughs> I don't know where it is, but, uh, but yeah, I, like in terms of, of, creative like supportive support support for creativity like growing up like my i don't think my dad really cared (laughs) much about it uh not to to speak ill of the dead but he was just kind of like he just he was it wasn't his thing like he he liked watching tv and movies and stuff and that's what we kind of bonded over and everything but in terms of like writing and stuff he didn't really like i i don't i don't think he was really taking an interest in that but my mom was like constantly like supportive about it but more in a like oh this is like blanket like oh this is good this is good like i'm i'm so proud of you and everything which is great but it also it's just like it was like not i don't know not like a hands-on kind of thing which is fine but i'm sure yeah Hmm. um yeah now you guys talk Well, yeah, it's well. It's funny uh, to to speak to both of your points. I'll I'll drop some bombs too. No, Ooh, nice. not, not really. But like, so my I my experience was sort of different from Mike's. Whereas my dad is actually a very gifted artist, and my dad, oh, cool. m- when he went to college, he majored in art and wanted to be an artist. Oh and, yeah, uh, like there are pa- huh. paintings hanging in our my parents' home and my. Uh, grandmother's home uh for their entire lives that my dad painted and uh he basically gave it up to i did not know that yeah Hmm. he uh basically gave it up to um and while he was still in college to get a more quote-unquote practical degree Hmm. and he moved on to something else and he basically had a professional life and basically gave it up and uh, i I was really hoping when he retired he was going to pick it back up but he he still hasn't yet Hmm. um but anyways Hmm. um Wow. My dad has always been into art and is very much into art. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been to museums several times, and um, I think I ran with it when I was a kid. I I was in art classes, and there's yeah. some drawings and stuff that I did as a kid that were pretty damn good for like a seven, eight-year-old. Nice. And uh, I just, I think uh, there's no reason for it. I think I just began to grow, grow and like basically... Right. M- gravitated towards sports mm-hmm. and just really got away from the art thing um and it's funny because sports don't last um I, mm. for most people right? if you become a professional athlete that's different but that's such such a tiny 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 percentage of people who become professional athletes it also sounds mm-hmm. exhausting <laughs> right yeah so yeah. by the time most people are in their late teens or early 20s they're no longer athletes and so i think it's funny because I, I i had this total jock thing about I was a total jock in high school but I always had this appreciation for art in the background and uh, I think obviously you know sports just became a less less influential part of my life and so I I really gravitated back towards the art and it's kind of funny how that happens I'm not I'm not creative that way but um I have a appreciate some of the biggest hobby that I take take part in are artistic ones so nice. um yeah I think it's it's funny how you can have a parent who influences you in certain ways or they maybe have plans for you or they approach parenting in a certain way and it can just, it's, it's really a crapshoot, you know, some like, yeah. like Mike didn't have a creative influence from his parents, but he's wildly creative mm-hmm. <laughs> of the three of us is the most creative. Yeah. And oh, yeah. you know, I had, I had that influence as a kid and I'm not, I, I'm not creative at all. And I, I'm not, not, well, not that I'm not creative at all, but it's not, I'm not an artist in any way really. Yeah. So hmm. yeah. I remember, this is, might be a bit of a tangent, Tiny, but I remember in high school, did you take an architecture class? I did, yeah. Okay. I yeah, wanted I to be an architect for a while. I remember yeah. I remember that about you. So, yeah. I, I Again, huh. the, the practicality of it kind of crashed it down for me because the architecture teacher I had was like, look, if this is your dream, go for it. But I want mm-hmm. you to be aware that <laughs> being an architect is not really that... <laughs> grandiose mm-hmm. like it's really like the first 10 years of your career someone's going to say bring you a set of plans and say hey draw this mm-hmm. it's not really going to be very romantic he's like you, you probably have an idea of what it is in your head and it's really yeah. not it's really not that when you get get down to it and start doing it as a form of work and i was like well okay i guess maybe i'm gonna change my plans yeah. and ball state university here in indiana has a very prestigious architecture school mm-hmm. um, and so that was what i was going to do for years i thought about that and then gravitated towards teaching and then got away from that and anyways but yeah um so i i had a creative itch i guess uh throughout my life but it's never nice. that's awesome i didn't know that yeah uh it's never I, I was a pretty good drawer and stuff when i was a kid but i just never i never honed that craft or that skill i, I kind of gave up on it and i don't really have a desire to pick it back up but um yeah it's it's an interesting it's interesting how we evolve i guess yeah yeah huh um Matt. You Go, going back to the book itself. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank what you. did you think <laughs> of the um, the layout of it? What did What did you think of such a like a distinct uh, bifurcation? I was really I, I I liked it. I liked uh, when we got past the biography part of it and got more into the craft of it. I I like that. I think is. In a certain certain respect, I think deep down that's kind of what I wanted out of it was the craft aspect of it because I'm very interested yeah. in 
process and how um that age old question how do you get your ideas <laughs> um but yeah uh but like i i'm really interested in the in the craft of it so i'm glad that we got that what i kind of found interesting and surprisingly i think when i first read it in in like 2000 or 2001 um what i found really interesting about it was the uh section about the accident at the end and yeah like listening to that now and reading that now, like it's all stuff that I already know, obviously I know enough about the accident and everything about it. Um, but to hear him kind of talk about it is, is really interesting. Um, and it also just makes me think like what uh, two things, one, and we don't have to pause it. We don't have to, we don't have to talk about this or we don't have to, uh, uh, I think is the word postulate. I don't know. Um, postulate, uh, postulate, uh yeah something sure postulate um yeah. we don't have to to talk about like the uh the theories behind this or anything but what I, I i was wondering like what would this book have been if he didn't have the accident like what would it, like what would mm. what would it look I, like yeah um, it's i mean that thread is throughout mm -hmm. he he mentions it several times and then completely explains it in the third part of it yeah. Not that I'm complaining. I mean, it's part, it's important. I, I just think I could have read two books. I oh, could have yeah. read the biography and then here's a, here's a textbook on the craft. Yeah. yeah. But when you put, when you put them together, a memoir on the craft uh, or on writing a memoir of the craft, I, I really thought that they would be blended a little better. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, the other thing I kind of thought about was, and this is something I think about a lot, uh, what would his career be like today if he hadn't had the accident? Mm -hmm. um, mm. And that is something that just that I, I'm fascinated with in, in any front. Like when someone who has creative output of any kind, when they have something happen to them or something happen to their career or to their life that changes the trajectory so drastically, I just wonder like the what if of it all. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, uh, where were we at with the with the review? <laughs> Shoot, I feel like I had another, mm. another uh, point about it. Oh, um, so the audio book is read by the author. Yes, which I love, and I find so endearing. Mm -hmm. I love, <clears throat> you know, he's pretty um clear and efficient speaker mm -hmm. and writer i mean i i he's not verbose um he is efficient but i love his little idiot idiosyncrasies and, and almost regional dialectic yeah uh, and i even texted to you um or maybe i put it in the chat but he when he'll add like a that's all to the end of a <laughs> yeah. sentence do you guys know what i'm talking about yeah He's like, I wasn't trying to ruffle any feathers, just trying to say what I had on my mind. That's all. Right. <laughs> I love that. I find that so endearing. Yeah. I think uh, another Me part too. of it that's endearing, to seal your word, is the fact that he's, Matt brought it up too, he's very humble. Mm -hmm. And um, I, th I think that comes through in on writing because he doesn't have like... I don't think he really has like a cardinal rule that he lays out or a list of cardinal rules. He just says like, Hey, I'm not a big fan of adverbs. 
and <laughs> here's why. He mm-hmm. doesn't say yeah. you can't use adverbs or don't use adverbs. Right. Uh, I'm just not a fan of them, and this is why. Yeah. And then he will say you don't have. He, he says, "Hey, this is how I structure my sentences. Mm. And I don't work from a blueprint or a outline." But he never says you shouldn't work from an outline or right. you shouldn't do this. He just says, this is how I do it. And I think yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's a form of humility. And it's, mm. it's really interesting coming from somebody who is as incredibly successful as he is and Absolutely. has written both things that are both critically acclaimed as well as, you know, uh, fan acclaimed. And yeah. Podcaster so, acclaimed. Podcaster acclaimed. So. <laughs> uh, that's one thing that jumped out at me that I really loved. And it's, it's part of his charm I- as a person wholeheartedly agree. And I think that there's something to that in the fact that I'm thinking of a a point that I was going to make that I completely lost my train of thought on. (laughs) I thought I was going to find it in the end of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I just, the, the humbleness is something, uh, that's really, really endearing. And because since he doesn't have those hard and fast rules, he doesn't have like, like any other book, uh, any other kind of, this is, I feel like this is the way to, to discuss the any kind of creative craft because it's otherwise if he had these like rules this checklist like oh you can be you can be as famous as Stephen King if you do this and everything that's like huckster shit um that's <laughs> like that's snake oil salesman stuff and the fact that like really the only like hard and fast rule he has is like if you don't have if you don't have time to read you don't have time to write yeah and like that has stuck with me for uh for a long time mm-hmm. um and normally I don't really have time for either. <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, Mike, how did you feel about his, his rules and, or lack thereof rules? Yeah, I think he did a really good job of kind of towing the line between um, really saying, Hey, this is what works for me. Just do what you, you know, what's going to work for you, but also being realistic about the things that just don't work. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, he's pretty generous with his rules and soft with his rules, but mm-hmm. he's like, you need to do this six days a week or yeah. you don't actually want to do it. <laughs> right. And, and I kind of loved that. Like, he's not a hard ass about it, but he's mm-hmm. realistic. That That is the thing that kind of blanket statement. The thing I love about Stephen King, the thing that I admire about Stephen King is his work ethic and the fact that he, this is his nine to five job. He sits down and writes, he goes on his walk, he does, he eats and everything like he, he does these, this is a ritual for him. It's ritualistic. And it's something that is just so, it comes through in his, in his work because he is so, this is his thing. This is what he does. Like he writes, um, and the, the routine of it is amazing. Like I was just thinking today, cause we are, as of this recording, we're on the cusp of Lisey's story, the, uh, adaptation as of this release, though it premiered last week. But, um, what's fascinating to me is that Lisey's story, granted, it was probably written, the, the adaptation was probably written in like 2019. Um, and, and the post-production, I think, was more uh, more in uh, uh, 2020 pandemic era. But just the fact that he wrote all eight episodes of that adaptation, and that is releasing now um, into, the, into the world. And he also had a, a short novel release uh in march for later which check out her review of later and then later this year he is having another like full-length novel um release in august like the output of this guy (laughs) 
is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. 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 It really um, is. It's superhuman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. An- another part that jumped out to me, or I guess I just related to it a lot, or it, it, it spoke to me, was, um, again, it wasn't a cardinal rule, but it was a... Um, uh, suggestion that he had that he he doesn't he doesn't ever use a thesaurus oh, and he doesn't yeah. think anyone else should either because you know he he gives an example i can't remember what he uses a word and then he comes up with like two other words that mean the same thing mm-hmm. and he was like those other two words are fine but like mm-hmm. the first word that you come up with is usually the best one yeah um and and it's funny because i uh, the m- most of the writing i've ever done in my life has been academic mm-hmm. um and it, I I'll say I'm, I was good at it because I, I won one the only pretty much the only accolade from my college career that I'm really proud of is the fact that I never got less than a B on any paper I ever wrote. God, that's awesome. That's Ball State, <laughs> Ivy Tech, and I flunked out of Ball State. So uh, that was a skill. I guess writing academically was a skill I had that mm-hmm. I was reasonably good at, just based on literally based on those grades. Um, yes. And one, the only strength that I thought I had as a writer was that I have a pretty solid vocabulary. And so I was constantly looking for a better word all the oh, time. Yeah. I would read through like a paragraph I wrote and I was like, no, nah, that's not it. I can come up. There's a better word for that. And I, and I, it's funny because he says, don't do that. <laughs> right. And yeah. it, it's, it's really funny because it's like the one thing that I thought I was good at, <laughs> he says you shouldn't do. Um, okay. So that, that jumped out to me as something mm-hmm. as I related to it and it really spoke to me individually. Nice. Well, he does talk about like the toolbox analogy, right? right? Yes. Like, yeah. Come to it with yes. your with your toolbox. And I um, love, love, love that analogy. It is yeah, so. Yeah, me too. It's it's. I mean, it's so plainly spoken, and it's so it fits so well. It's like cl- a classic Stephen King thing. Like I wouldn't dare say that he invented this metaphor or whatever, but it is very in keeping with his style that he just has this straightforward metaphor to about having tools for his trade it's it's really really remarkable yeah sorry to step in your toes mike well no that's okay i'm trying to remember exactly like what the levels of the toolbox were but yeah um just to kind of like encourage you tiny or or let you off the hook i i think that might back in the day have been one of the tools in your toolbox yeah Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't so completely dismiss it just because mm-hmm. he says don't do that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very gregarious and magnanimous and uh <laughs> uh very um <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> precipitous. I have, a, I have idea. a student who writes a new word of the day every day I have her in class on the backboard. Mm. Uh <laughs> and she's one of my favorite students because of it. Nice. That's funny. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, it's a cool thing. Um he also talked about um I don't remember the specifics but his he basically went through an exercise about sentence structure and how to take simple ideas and make them seem more advanced or something like that and he he just he had this exercise where he wrote wrote a sentence and then he was like it's not a very good sentence and here's how to make it better. And then he made it better and he was like, so now it's, now it's a, it's a solid sentence and it has this, but let's add some fluff. And then he does it again and he goes through like the third version of the sentence and it's way better. And it's like, this is so mm-hmm. like, I'm, I want to yeah. know, I want to know the next sentence now. Right. And it's, it's just crazy how he, he has the ability to do that. <laughs> That's, oh, yeah. I was, I was uh, marveling at his, at his skill and his, mm-hmm. uh, his art artistry. Uh, in that passage. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, also, <laughs> small anecdote, going back to his output and everything, like the button that I should have put on that stretch where I was talking about his output and everything is that like, yeah, he's he writes every day and everything. And uh, me, I uh, downloaded Final Draft like two weeks ago. Haven't opened it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, what else can we talk about with this? Did, should we talk about the accident? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, how'd you guys feel about it? Did you like this, this change in the, uh, in the plot of his life? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think he, it had to be in there because he had to do it. I think mm. cathartically or just, uh, he had, I, I feel like he, he didn't have a choice, but mm-hmm. to put that in there. And so I think it's, it's a little out of place or it's very abrupt and it's such a shift um, that maybe it's a little a little goofy for the reader, but I mm-hmm. I think he had to do it again for for his own his own reasons. Um, so I don't have an uh-huh. issue with it for that. And it, mm-hmm. the gory details were kind of some classic Stephen King. You yeah. know, um, the the pain really came across, and uh, uh, all the details. It's funny how he's not he was never very condemning of the man who injured him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't friendly to him necessarily right. but he, right. yeah he wasn't like this dumb son of a bitch or like really he wasn't he wasn't uh particularly angry about it that's an interesting yeah. part of it there is an anecdote that i believe the guy the guy who the guy who hit him ended up dying down the road like he had like a heart attack or something at some point okay um and i think uh stephen king actually bought the van <laughs> and uh just took took a baseball bat to it and just smashed it up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that I I just thought that was kind of it's a funny um uh funny anecdotes. Um Tiny, I kind of agree with you. I mean, I liked it there and it was fine and it was interesting, but it was it feels or at least it reads like it's tacked on like the 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 craft part ends and there's like an Mm -hmm. ending to the book and then he's like well now i guess i gotta tell you about the thing it's not organic at all no it's not yeah it's well done but it it, the the transition is not organic yeah it could have been a whole separate book like you said yeah. Right. Yeah. And and wow, just to confirm or just to follow up on this, uh Chicago Tribune from September 24th, 1999. <laughs> so this was June, July, August, September, like 3 months after it. Uh horror writer Stephen King buys minivan that hit him. Uh <laughs> horror writer Stephen King has confirmed that he obtained a uh, macabre souvenir from the accident that left him seriously injured. He bought the minivan that struck him. Uh quote from King, "Yes, we've got the van and I'm going to take a sledgehammer and beat it." <laughs> that's funny wow so yeah that's interesting um hmm, yeah Hmm. anyway Hmm. okay um so so yeah uh we can kind of start winding down because i I don't know how much more we have to really discuss it yeah and everything so i mean yeah um made our peace how my my kind of parting question to you guys and i don't know how i don't know how much uh discussion we'll get from this but did did reading on writing, did it uh, affect how you feel about King or did it change like your perspective on him and his work in any substantial way? Or do you foresee it changing? Like when you read your next Stephen King book, are you going to think like, oh, okay, like are you going to have more um, more thought into his process or is this just like, a, oh, this is a cool memoir form? I think that's a really interesting question. Um 
but the, my answer is no. Mm-hmm. And and not that I didn't enjoy on writing and not that I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, I would recommend it to a Stephen King fan, mm-hmm. maybe not someone who's not a fan. Um uh yeah, I and I, I enjoyed it, but no, I don't think I'm gonna take any of that because I, I I would have liked more, uh, like I said, like if I'm reading a Stephen King, I think I would be interested now in the biographical information that led up to it, and we just mm-hmm. didn't get any enough of that. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Aside from like <clears throat> a little early biography, and then you know some suggestions i don't think it colors any all that much of his output and certainly not anything moving forward yeah interesting tiny does it change your perspective on him at all positive or negative i think i think it does uh positive because it's i i think because i read him so much it's definitely gonna be in the back of my mind the next time i read him or you know experience uh experience one of his books um, I, I'm definitely going to be listening for these things because uh, mm-hmm. I, I I read him exclusively on audiobook. I, that's mm-hmm. pretty much the only way I read anymore. Um, so that that's something I'm going to be listening for when I when I read his books next. Um, is is the little points he makes throughout the book, and I think um, I I think just just to mention it, one of the things I uh, latched onto is just how. Stephen King doesn't do a lot of interviews. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't speak a lot. I'll put it that way. He might do an interview for. Um, he'll he'll give an opinion on something um, like in written form, or he'll write something quickly. He's on Twitter all the time. Yeah. But he doesn't. He doesn't do like radio interviews or like he doesn't go on like the Tonight Show or yeah. stuff. Unless like he's that. promoting a book, right? But yeah. even then, not a lot. Like mm. he doesn't personally go out and do a lot of that stuff. Um, and so there's not a lot of audio of him out there, or like uh, yeah. there's not a lo- there's not a lot of long form stuff of him out there. And I think this this was such because he read this audio book, and because it's the book is truly in his voice. It's so exemplary of his personality mm-hmm. and i just i mm-hmm. i'm happy to say i really like him as a person yeah like he's oh, yeah. he's he's way funnier than you would think he mm-hmm. would be um he's very charming and charismatic he's kind of has this he has this kind of down home country attitude mm-hmm. i guess or just uh i i don't know um i'm not sure how to how to pinpoint it but he's he's just got this really fun personality that i didn't it's not that I didn't know he had; it's just I hadn't really experienced it. It's got like an approachability to him, right? Yeah. He's he's yeah. very much an everyman, which mm-hmm. so many of his characters are, and so that's right. kind of a great thing. Um, and yeah. it, I, I also just to wrap it up, I'll say mm-hmm. he, I, I feel like this was sort of inspirational. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, um, I'm not going to write anything. I don't. Mm-hmm. But as I was listening to it, I was like, you know what? Maybe I could write a story. Maybe I could. Yeah. Maybe I could do this. You know, oh, I think yeah. maybe I could. But that's our assignment for next time. Right. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just don't have a story to tell, so mm. it's not. Yeah. I, th- I, I'm not sitting here like, man, I I have this story that I really want to. You know, that's that's not something I have. That's not a passion of mine or anything. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not a notion I ever have. So, um, it's not something I would pursue. But it was. If I were an aspiring writer, I would have been very inspired by this book. Yeah, put totally. it that way. Yeah. Yep. Um, it doesn't change my kind of perspective on him or anything. It just gives some more context to who he is as a person in terms of his writing, which I already knew most, if not all of the stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, I just thought it was a really fun, 
um, adventure through his craft. And uh, I, we neglected to talk about this, and we don't need to harp on it too much, but uh, the candor that he brings to his talk about his substance abuse problems, his alcoholism, and his uh, sobriety, um, I was surprised with the, since there wasn't, quite a lot of like candid stuff in his early biography stuff like i kind of i don't know i i figured that maybe he might wax uh not nostalgia per se but like like he would talk maybe more about his father leaving and everything but yeah but he didn't but when he's talking about his sobriety and he talks about like the intervention that his friends and family had for him i was just i was very kind of I respected the again the candor that he brought to that portion of it. So I just I respected that about the about the book. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um okay, well I think that'll do it for our review of On Writing, a memoir of the craft. Um can't wait for the movie adaptation inevitably. <laughs> Um, there's not going to be one, guys. <laughs> right. <It's>, um, anyway, <laughs> um, would you guys watch like a biography, a biopic of, of Stephen King? I'd watch anything st- or mm. read anything Stephen King. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd watch it for this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could take or leave it, but if it ever happens, uh, you can rest assured that, uh, the premiere dark tower podcast that does not talk about the dark tower will be covering <laughs> the <laughs> inevitable biopic whenever it may come yeah um okay so to kind of wind down to kind of close out the episode mike what is your next stephen king book do you think that you're going to read i don't know i don't know yet um i kind of know what i'm gonna read throughout the summer Mm -hmm. um i'm tackling the beatles bob spitz biography um and i have a couple of audio books on the docket none of which are stephen king excuse me um but i think by fall maybe i don't want to make any promises Mm -hmm. um i I might tackle the stand this might be the year nice nice yeah i i gotta say it uh post-pandemic or in-progress pandemic, whatever you want to call it, um, n- now and last year is as good a time as any to read The Stand. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I think it'll have some very special resonance uh, for you in light of uh, the collected trauma that we've all suffered. Um, of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say, and I, I don't want to put you on the spot, or I don't want to put any of us on the hook for this, but I have long wanted to do a series of episodes on Creepshow, Creepshow 2, Tales from mm. the Dark Side, the movie, and the new Creepshow TV show. Um, and so, Mike, if you have any interest on that, you can hop on those. I don't know when we're going to do those, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. It's on the list. Yeah. It's somewhere. Yep. Have you watched any no. of the new Creepshow on Shudder? No. Okay. I watched no. the first season and liked it, and the specials were good. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Um, we are currently in progress on our Lisey Story adaptation reviews, and uh, and so expect those biweekly. Um, but if you are a Patreon supporter, if you pledge $2 per month, you'll get access to my immediate reaction uh, reviews of each episode of Lisey's story, literally the second that they are posted on Apple TV plus. <laughs> um, so the second that they,
they go live on Apple TV Plus. That's when the embargo lifts. That's when my review posts on Patreon. So pledge $2 per month on Patreon um, for that stuff. And also, on if you pledge $5 per month, you get access to that. And then also movie commentary tracks, which um, I try to hit at least one Stephen King adaptation commentary track per month. And with a total of like three commentary tracks per month total. Um, so check that out. And also check out Patreon. And Mike... Where can people find you online? Where can people find your uh, your Kickstarter? And do you want to give an overview of that once again for the listeners who, for some reason, came in two hours into a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. All over the place. Um, probably the easiest way to find me is on Twitter at I am Mike White. I'm on there quite frequently. Um, I may not post or tweet every day, but I'm on there every day. So hit me up slide into those dms you can at me and i will send you where you need to go uh if if you're not interested in twitter as good as it gets music.com as good as it gets music.com and you can find all the stuff kickstarter youtube previous albums Bandcamp, however you listen to music sweet as good as it gets music.com all right, awesome. And look forward to a new, not for Tower Junkies, but a new Obsessive Viewer opening theme music in 2022. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from As Good As It Gets. So I'm super excited for that. And I'm super excited to alienate you with all of my notes and everything. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for uh, for slumming it with us and being a guest on Tower Junkies. Um, for it's, sure. a, it's a different role for you. Uh, from Obsessive Viewer, so it's nice to to have you on uh, this show. So, um, yeah, having said all that, any parting thoughts, guys? No? No, Mm -hmm. it's fun. Thanks for having me. Yep. Glad to have you. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to round us out and uh, uh, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Okay. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. So anyway, so what's new with you, Tiny? Not much, man. Nice. Getting into the spring spirit. <laughs> yes, today it was up to the 80s, I it think? It was, yeah. Yeah. Went um, home and cut the grass and nice. spread some mulch. People had their um, their collars popped really high, and they had their Walkmans around their ears, and uh, they were competing against other uh, teens to uh, fund uh, to to raise money for the local youth group or the y- local um, youth center because it was the eighties today. God damn it. <laughs> I did not know where you were going with that. I, I could. I realized as I was talking that you, there was no way that you were picking up what I was putting down. Um, local so, yeah. youth center. Local what was youth that? Center? I don't know. <laughs> Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com/archive. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod and follow us on Twitter at towerjunkiespod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate 
or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com, and on Twitter, at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OVAnthologyPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!